How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, so we are, I'm in Lafayette right now, but four of our campuses are joining us online. Lyman's joining us online right now. About 35,000 people are joining us online. So we just welcome the world uh, to church today. Go. Yeah. We welcome everybody. Even the dude back here in the Raiders jersey. Oh, gosh. Boo. Grace, Grace, right, Grace, Grace, Grace. Hey, welcome everybody. Today is the day we're gonna wrap up this 35-day challenge that several thousand of us, about 13 to 15,000 of us started six or seven weeks ago to put into practice, right, five disciplines every day for 35 days in a row. And it's kind of like we're going like into like spiritual training to learn some new spiritual muscle memories. And our goal is this, seeing our life with God get better and our life with one another get better. That's the goal. So here's what a bunch of us did, or at least started, is that uh, this is the app on our phone. Every day we do physical exercise, not to get in shape, but just to remind our bodies, hey, you work for me. I don't work for your addictions and your cravings, things like that. We read a chapter of the Bible. Um, we prayed every day. God, I'm thankful for this. God, I need something from you. And there's some other thing, people I wanna think about as well. Um, we sacrificed. We, we, we laid down some things, not because they're bad necessarily, but because we, we had to make room for something more important in our life. And then we did one act of service for another person every, every day. We, we said, that's important. I want that to be a part of my life. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to three groups of people, and then I'm going to put out a really, 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 really tough, and I'm going to say this really, really important challenge, kind of a, kind of a fish or cup bait. There's, my grandpa said it a different way. It involved a toilet. But anyway, uh, 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 kind of a turn the lights on and take a look at your life, what's really going on, that kind of challenge to all of us who call Jesus, he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my King, and Flatters is my church, Okay. I really want to push in on this hard today, all right? Are you nervous? Because you should be, because I know what I'm about to say. All right, so it's really, really, really important. The three people, groups of people I want to talk to are those. This, those of us who completed the 35-day challenge or we missed something, but we're still in the game. So we haven't given up yet. We might be on day 17 or something like that. We're still in it. Nice shirt. All right, all right, right? So, and the second is those of us who started and then missed something and we quit. Which honestly is most of us, okay? Just being honest. And then there's a third group, those of us who didn't even try. We didn't even start. Nope, not gonna do it, right? So, and to the second two groups, please hear this. This is not gonna be some shaming, guilt trip, why don't you love Jesus talk, all right? It's not, all right? I do wanna talk honestly about some stuff together as a church, okay? Is that fair? All right, so group number one, those of us who completed or are in the process still of completing the 35-day challenge, wherever you are, whatever campus you're listening in, maybe you're sitting in a dorm room in Kansas or a military base you know, in Germany or something like that, uh, wherever you are, here's what I want you to do in an apartment by yourself. I want you to stand up where you are right now so that our church can honor you and what you're doing right now. So stand up wherever you are, go. Give it up, come on, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, all right? Now, okay, sit down. I'm gonna talk to you. Let's say this, okay? You might have heard this all week long. Way to go, all right? Or in the words of, of Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus said this, you've been faithful with a little bit. Now your father actually knows that he can trust you with even more. That's what Jesus said, all right? I just wanna review, all right, the last 35 days. In the last 35 days, you have read 35 chapters of the Bible. When was the last time in your life you could ever say that? 
right? You cover descriptions of Jesus that say that he is full of grace and truth, that Jesus is the light of the world that can never be extinguished. Darkness can never overcome him. You read that famous in the first week, that famous John three sixteen verse about how much God loves you, that he sent his one and only son to you. You read through the life of Jesus. You read about his miracles, his grace, his servanthood, his arrest, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then in the book of Ephesians, uh, you read through what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like for a husband to actually love his wife and his wife to respect her husband and and what a family that's centered on Jesus actually could be like. And the word is blessed. In the book of Philippians, you read through the ultimate description of how Jesus modeled servanthood to you and, and, and you were encouraged, don't give up. Don't give up. You can't let the past define you. You gotta keep on pressing on toward the goal. Remember reading that? We're gonna look at that again today. All that good news, here's the thing, everything you've read for the last 35 days, it's in there. It's in here and it's in here. And Jesus promised that at the right time, at the right moment, you might not have thought about it for years, but at the right moment, his spirit will bring that good news back into your mind when you need it the most. He promised that. So way to go. Way to go. You made it. You made your body do things that it didn't want to do. You sat on the couch going, I don't want to do that. You went, but you work for me, body, right? You arranged your priorities, including financially. You started giving towards what God wants to do through his, through his kingdom here at, at, through Flatirons uh, to take care of the next generation coming after us. We had over 400, almost 500 people say, I'm going to give for the very first time. I think that that is amazing that, that, that you rearranged your life. You modeled, you modeled Jesus at his best when you served someone who needed serving in a parking lot with a grocery cart like Ben, right? Or, 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 uh, or, or people you didn't even know, people that didn't say thank you. You just, you just took on the mind of a servant. You spent, think about this, you spent more time in prayer this month than I bet you have in years. Hopefully remembering how much love and grace that you need and that God has supplied to you in a way that has met more than enough. And reminding yourself, and here's what I spend a lot of time in prayer, where would I be without Jesus? And here's the answer to that, Right? Lost and without hope. But I have Jesus. And I remember that all month long. You spent 35 days running after God, and that in itself is an act of faith and obedience. And God always responds to faith with blessing. I don't know how God has blessed your life or how he's going to bless your life. I just know that he promised that he would. So one more time, let's give it up. Way to go and keep going. Give it up for him, right? Ah, so good. If it makes you feel better, the pastor's wife failed twice, all right? So it's all right. So now let me talk. Let me talk to my wife. Uh, let me talk to groups two and three. And you know who you are. You're the one sitting there going, oh, I don't like this part. Right, right, right. Now I promise this is not going to be a guilt trip or shaming. But it's also going to be a, 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 it's not going to be a, hey, thanks for trying. Everybody gets a ribbon. If, no, we're not that. Okay. You, you tried, right? You're not a, you're no. Because okay, here's, here's a, you're going to write this down and then you're not going to come to church anymore. Um, we're, we're not all winners. And that hurts my feelings. Well, pray through it. You're fine, all right? Um, now, when I say we're not all winners, I'm not making any reference whatsoever to if God loves you more or less or if you're saved or not based on how well you did the 35-day challenge. I'm not talking about that at all, right? See, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus and what he did for us alone and not anything that we could do to earn anything from God, all right? So I just want you to know that. For that matter, just because you completed the 35-day challenge, that doesn't even mean you're saved or that you love God more than anybody else that, that made a mistake. It might just mean that you're very religious and you think that if you do five things for God every day, 35 days in a row, he owes you and he might do something in your favor. That's called religion and it doesn't work. So, so you're going, oh good, I'm not religious, good. All right, so here's what I mean, all right? Even if you're loved and saved, 
We're not all winners. And you can blame this part of the message on Ben's talk last week. Let me just go on record, sidebar here, which, which I want to say this. Wasn't just one of the best messages I've ever heard from Ben. I would put it up there with one of the best messages I've ever heard from anyone on that passage of scripture. So can you just encourage our Ben, all right? There you go, buddy. And here's the part that really like, impacted me, all right? As he unpacked that wise and foolish man building their house, and by house, it's the entirety of their life, either on the rock of doing what Jesus said was true or the sand of not doing what Jesus said was true, right? And, and it was this, and it hit me really hard. It goes like this. Some lives stand up to the inevitable storms of life. So nothing can defeat us. We're gonna win. I don't care what the world throws at us. We're still standing. Some lives collapse under the inevitable storms of life and we lose everything. And the only difference is whether or not the builder put into practice, it wasn't a belief system, but put into practice what Jesus said was true. And while storms are inevitable in life, you can't avoid them, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, right? Collapse doesn't have to be. See, Jesus, I love this, Jesus did not promise us a storm-free life. Put your faith in me, and I'll put a bubble around you, okay? Jesus promised us a storm-proof life, big word here, if we will listen to him, not stop there, and put into practice what he said works best in his world. And just let me remind you, it is his world. He is king, and this is his kingdom, and we just live in it. Now, I, I, I'm not a prophet, okay? Hey, we're not gonna clap a lot today. I got Bronco tickets, and we gotta move this, all right? So, <laughs> it's actually true, all right? So, I'm not a prophet, but I was, I'm just being transparent. We got stuff to do. I, I, I would say there are... I'm gonna say three primary reasons why you started and quit or didn't start at all. And you can't say, well, there are glitches in the app or I would have done it. Eh, nice try, okay. Um, one is you started well, see if I'm close, and then you missed something, you got frustrated and, and you said, just quit. And you, maybe you said, I'll get back to it, I'll try again later, you got busy, it slipped out of your mind, you meant to do it and you forgot. So you thought, it's, oh, no big deal, it doesn't mean anything. Okay, okay, let's, all right. Two responses I just want you to think about, okay? Where else does this start, made a mistake, quit, show up in your life? And I bet it's not just this. Just think about it, okay? Or how about this? And this is convicting me, right? So if at the end of the 35-day challenge, rather than giving out free T-shirts, we, we, we handed out checks for $1,000. We're not. Um, <laughs> do you think you might have hung in there a little bit more? Honestly, if at the end, hey, 1,000 bucks to anybody does this 35 days in a row, which would make it a matter of either it's a priority or you ask yourself, is it worth it? Just look at it. That's all I'm saying, right? The second reason is this, and this would be a lot of us, is like, you know, in, in the urgency of what's going on in your life, you didn't see the immediate benefit of how this could help like today, right? Which is why we quit the last diet plan. We didn't see any progress in three days or, or the last exercise plan or we tried to pay off our debt or we went to three AA meetings and it didn't make a difference and so we, 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 we tapped out, right? You, you didn't see how doing these little things could really address the bigger urgent problem that you're facing. So here's what a lot of us are doing and we do this all week long. We go looking for something that might get us there faster. I don't wanna do all the discipline stuff. Just I wanna skip to instant fix, or, or here's where a lot of us are. We just resign to this is the way it's always gonna be. Why try? Now, I might be wrong in your situation. I hope I am, but I, I bet I'm closer than any of us, including me, want to admit that that's a pattern in a lot of parts of our life, okay? 
So here's a different way to look at the whole spiritual discipline training thing, okay? So this is not a trick question. I'm just gonna ask you this question. Um, Think back. Did you eat lunch or dinner Wednesday? Probably, okay? I'll bet that you did, and I also bet you'd have a really, really, really hard time remembering what you had for lunch or dinner on Wednesday. But you ate something, probably, right? Why? This is not a trick question. Because in order for your life to be sustained, you have to eat something every day, and the cumulative effect of daily eating keeps you alive and growing and strong. It's just a part of life. But it's the same way with spiritual disciplines. See, the win of daily, practicing daily spiritual disciplines isn't because every, every meal is mind-blowing. Every time you crack a Bible, it's just, oh, all right. Because it, 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 the daily pace and routine of your life you gotta, you gotta eat a little bit every day. Now, every once in a while, maybe the last 35 days is you open the Bible or you're praying or something like that. Every once in a while, you'll get a meal or a message from God that's filet mignon and makes you sit back and go, whoa, that changed my life. That verse changed my life or I felt God, whatever that is. Or it's the best thing I ever tasted. But most of the time, from my experience, it's just showing up every day, eating a little bit every day with Jesus. I also don't gorge myself on Thanksgiving and go, I'm good for the year. Right, or I'm good on Sunday, I'll, I'll eat something next week. Or I know, every day, just a little bit more. If you started thinking about spiritual disciplines like that, it's like, it's just a, if you want goosebumps every time you sing a song, then don't sing, you know? Or, or if you, every time you think, oh, I'm gonna go to church and Jim's gonna blow my, then don't come because I can't live up to that. It's just a little bit every day. So two quick verses, and then this challenge, and a whole bunch of Bible verses, all right? Uh, I wanna look at two verses from a writer in the Bible we talk about a lot. His name is Paul, he wrote big chunks, all right? And he writes both of the, these verses we're gonna look at to some people who started well, they made a mistake, and like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, okay? And he uses the metaphor of running a race, comparing that to their, I'm, I'm pursuing God. So Paul writes this, he says, so you were, you were running a good race, you were doing great. Days one through seven, you knocked it out of the park, all right? Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What happened? And the answer is life. Life happened. He sticks with that racing theme later, and he says this, and we read part of this earlier this week in the book of Philippians. He says this. He's talking about like running after and, and being the kind of person God wants him to be. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I'm not there. But I, I love this. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there yet, all right? But one thing I do, and let's just, all our campuses, just say this out loud together. One, two, three. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I gotta, I gotta let go of my past and I gotta move on. I gotta press on, right? And the goal here is not after I die, I go to heaven. It certainly includes that, but it's living a life that reflects who God is and what God says is true today. It also says, I wanna build the kind of life that doesn't fall down when the inevitable storms of life hit. That's the goal. Heaven when we die, but living with God here. Does that make sense? So let's go back to, all right, so, so this is what Jesus said. Jesus said the only way to have that kind of life is to know what he says is right and true and then adjust our lives to it and then build our house, build the entirety of our lives on that rock. 
So when you came in today, uh, most of you got a, you got a three piece, piece of paper, which means the backside's blank. So if you, if you wanna write down some stuff, I wanna give you a challenge, okay? Because the 35 day challenge, uh, if you made it, wasn't a finish line, it was meant to be a, a starting line uh, of starting a whole new way of living every day with God. So of those five things that we looked at every day, Jesus said, and three kind of jump out at me, three things must be uh, in, a, in place in a person's life who's running after God and building their life on what he says is true. So three areas I wanna look at and three challenges, okay? The first one's obvious. If you're gonna build your life on what he says is true, you must know his word and do it. You gotta know what he said. And you have to figure that out. Don't, well, Jim said, Jesus said, that God said, that God, no, you have to spend some time going, I, I, wanna, I wanna know what he said, right? So come back to that, right? So second thing is you must adjust your priorities. And, and first on the list would be your money. This is not me, this is Jesus. Not because God needs your money, but Jesus taught what we all know is true, that our money and our heart, what we love, what we consider important, they are always in the same place. So if you want to know the priority of God in your life, look at how much money you're giving towards things he cares about. That's what Jesus said. And the third one is this, you must, be, you must become a servant. We're gonna look at that, right? So I'm gonna come back to his word in, in a second. And let's look at challenge number two. I'm gonna go really, really quick on these because they're pretty, pretty, pretty convicting, right? So give, give. I, so I'm just gonna, here's the challenge. I'm challenging everyone who calls Flatirons their church. If you're visiting here, you just sit back and go, whoo, I'm glad this is in my church, right? Um, whether you're, this is my church. This is a place that I lean on primarily to be spiritually fed. I don't care, you might be online, you might be 10 years old, you might be 110 years old, right? Here's my challenge. Give 1% more than what you're currently giving. 1% more than what you're currently giving from now to the end of the year and see what God does in your life. Which means this, because some of you are going, I, I, don't, I don't do math. Uh, that means for every $100 you get in a paycheck, you give $1. I don't know about that, Jim. You're fine, okay? Um, for, if you make $1,000 this week, that would be, hey, I got paid $1,000, I wanna give 10 to the things God's doing every time I get paid. Let's go down to the 10-year-olds. If you, if you get $20 for babysitting, or I pay a 10-year-old 20 bucks to mow my yard every week, okay, that is 20 cents more than what you're currently giving. You're not giving anything, you're gonna put a quarter, splurge, go another, you know, right, right? You're gonna throw a quarter in the blue bucket as you go out every day. So, so well, what difference is that? A 10-year-old giving 1% more, or, or a 110-year-old giving you know, 1% more, or me giving a little bit more? Well, so I, I was gonna say I did some research, but I didn't. I had somebody else do research, because it's math, all right? Here, the median income in Colorado is around $90,000. Take a breath, oh my gosh. Some of you are going, all right. All right, so anyway, so some make more, a lot make less, okay? But with that median amount, and the number of people that say Flatters is my church, 1% would equate to about $3.5 million if we all did it together which means this, every Christmas we do this special Christmas offering to give towards things, right? But we wouldn't need to do a Christmas, special Christmas offering because sac sacrificial giving is the normal muscle memory of our lives as followers of Jesus. And it's what happens when all of us who are part of this, this community, it's what happens when we do it together, not as a special one-off offering, one offering, but because it's the kind of people that we have become. And the word that would describe the kind of person that I want us to become is generous. And the opposite of generous is selfish, my stuff for me, right? 
We, we want to make a difference in the next generation. We're going to go after them hard. We're going to spend a lot of money to go after them. We want to see the hope of Jesus Christ reach the furthest corners of this country and the entire earth. And without apology, I'm going to say this. What God is doing and is about to do through this church is the smartest thing you could ever invest your limited dollars in. So give a little bit more. A little bit more. And he was like, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, you do. It's a yes or no answer. So we have a, we have a mantra around here that says this. Leaders go first. So Robin and I talked this week. And we're already giving uh, 10% or more back of my salary back to this church every week. We're gonna go up at least another, another 1% of our gross income. I am not bragging going, look how spiritual I am. I'm just saying, I'm not gonna ever ask you to do anything I'm not willing to do myself. So if we all get in this together, we can change the world. I really believe that. Convicting, let's move on. Challenge number three, serve. Okay, serve. So the number one description of Jesus was that of a servant. That was in Philippians chapter two. We read earlier this week, right? Rearranging his own life and priorities, letting go of heaven, letting go of something really important to accomplish something he says is even more important. So if we want to become the kind of people that they're more like Jesus, we have to find opportunities to serve. And you've been practicing that, but I wanna get really intentional about this, okay? At Flatirons, we need more servants. We need more leaders, Right, especially, I, I, and I'm speaking for all the campuses, but I'm also speaking for Lyman. The reason we didn't go down to Lyman a couple weeks ago is we don't have enough volunteers to go down to Lyman. How do I tell that to those, those men? Yeah, well, we're busy, right? But like here at Lafayette and, I, and all the other campuses, you can speak for yourself, all right? But we, like, we, need, we need more kids ministry people, more parking lot people, more guest services people, you know? So people are starting to come back to church. This is amazing. Welcome back, all right? But here's the thing is, some of you have discovered Flatirons online over the last year and a half. Some of you brought your friends for the very first time. They have kids. You went to the kids ministry. You walked up there going, here we go. And they walked up to the kids ministry and they, they, this is what you're met with. We don't have enough leaders. We can't take your kid. You have to take them with you. Happens every week. I get hit with this all the time. Are we gonna bring back Saturday night services? Let me just speak for myself. I would love to. Personally, I would love to, but I need several hundred, just here at Lafayette, 100 volunteers to get trained and volunteer and serve in our kids' ministry, in our lobbies, and in our parking lot. So if you're serious about wanting Saturday nights or some night of the week to come back, I need you to become a servant because it's just not gonna happen on its own. And you go, well, I don't wanna serve, then your number's 2%. There we go. So... I just made that up right there. It's pretty good. The Lord told me to tell you that. Anyway, uh, he didn't, he didn't. Let's go to challenge number one. This is where I wanna land this, okay? See, I agree with Ben last week. If you wanna pick three chapters out of the Bible that are as close to a manifesto of what following Jesus would look like every day of your life, it would be Matthews 5, 6, and 7, also known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, at, at all of our campuses, um, we handed that out. So if you didn't get one, you get one on your way out or go get one now, but here's my challenge. From now to the end of the year, read it. All of it, part of it, we're gonna go through it in a minute, underline the verse that, that sticks out to you and just read that verse over and over and over. And if you, pick, if you miss a day, you just pick up where you left off. Just don't quit. Don't tap out. I believe, I, I memorized... Sermon on the Mount, like four or five years ago, I still, I did it this morning at the gym. I go in the steam room and I recite it out loud in the steam room, which is really awkward if there's another dude in there. I'd be like, hey. Uh, uh. But I, it changed my life. 
It took me two or three months to, to memorize it. I believe that if you could assimilate just 10% of what Jesus is teaching in those three chapters and put them into practice in your life, your life and the lives of everybody that you interact with would be radically changed, different. I believe that. I've experienced it. There's no app we're gonna hand out that goes to Sermon on the Mount. You don't even need a Bible. I printed it out for you. You can get one on the way out. And if you lose it, by lunchtime, because I know who we are, right? There's a PDF on, on our website, and there's Bible apps all over the world that are free, all right? Just, just go back to it. No, you missed a day, I gotta start over. You just, you just start eating a meal with Jesus every day. And you know, some, some days when you're gonna read through the Sermon on the Mount, it's gonna be like a steak dinner. You're gonna be like, this is awesome, this is amazing, I, I wanna do that. And some days, if we were honest, we'll be like going through a drive-thru in the car on your way to something else. The win is, every day, I ate something, with Jesus. So here's how I want to end today. I'm going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. I do this every couple years uh, because it's, it's life-changing and it comes to life for me. And if you have the copy of it here or you have your Bible with you, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all right, I want you to follow along and I want you to, I want you to see what hits with you. Like maybe go like, I want to come back to that one. I want to ask a question about that one and some of what Jesus says here, you're gonna understand, and some of you, it's not gonna make sense at all, but here's what I want you to hold on to. That part that really causes tension in your life, you go, I don't know how that could be a reality in my life. Here's the question, but what if it could? What if it could describe you? What if you could build the entirety of your life on what Jesus says works best in his world, resulting in nothing can, and nothing will ever knock the entirety of my life down again, right? Now, everything, this is how it all ties together. Everything that Jesus says in here goes back to the greatest commandment. And so as we, as I, as we go through this, I want you to go, that's heart. That's, th- that's I gotta think different. That's I gotta do something different with my body, all right? So it's heart, I, this is what runs my life. Soul, this is how I feel about something. This is what I have determined is true, and this is what I'm gonna do with my body. Sermon on the Mount, here's what, here's what we're gonna do, all right? I want you to, just for a second, close your eyes and just go back 2,000 years ago and you're sitting in a field. In the distance, you can see this big lake called the Sea of Galilee and you hear this uh, really, really famous teacher is gonna be teaching and you're expecting some religious dude, robes and a big pope hat or something, you know, it's like, and then this Jewish carpenter stands up. Today, he'd have on jeans and boots and a T-shirt, maybe a tool belt, and have calluses on his hands. This is not what you're expecting from a teacher. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, like their souls are just torn apart. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I just want things to be right. In the kingdom, they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are 
persecuted for righteousness sake. They just tried to do the right thing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people persecute you, insult you, and say all kinds of evil about you on account of me. Rejoice. Be glad. For great is your reward in heaven because in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how, how could it be made salty again? It's really useful for nothing else except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. You are. You, a city on a hill, you can't hide. Neither do people light a candle and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they may see your good deeds and praise, not you, but your Father in heaven. So don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish anything, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law till everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices these commands we call great in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you the truth, unless your like, personal goodness, your righteousness, surpasses that of the most religious teachers and Pharisees and teachers of the law, I'm gonna tell you, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So you, you've all heard it said long ago, um, do not murder. And anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you that anybody who's angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Again, anybody who says you know, to his brother, Raka, you're, you're answerable to the religious court, the Sanhedrin. I'm telling you that anybody who says, you fool, you don't matter, you anawim, remember that? You're in danger of the fire of hell. Well, if that's true, therefore... If you're offering your gift at the altar, your church, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's, who's taking you to court. Do it quickly while you're still with him on the way. Otherwise, he's gonna turn you over to the, the judge, and then the judge will turn you over to the officer, and then you'll get thrown into prison. And I, I'm telling you, you won't get out until you've repaid every last penny. You've paid for everything you've done wrong. We've all heard this, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who just looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So try this. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose like one body part than your whole body to go to hell. If that works, gouge away. If, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut your hand off. It would be better for you to lose your hand than your whole body to go to hell. If that works, just start lobbing body parts off if that changes your heart. You've heard it said that anybody who like, divorces his wife just has to give her a piece of paper, a certificate of divorce, go. But I'm telling you that anybody who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, unless there's like infidelity in there, you actually have put her in the place of becoming an adulteress. And I'm going to say this, anybody who marries the divorced woman commits adultery too, just because you have a piece of paper. 
you've heard it said, do not break your oaths, but keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. Now listen, I'm telling you, don't swear at all. Either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Don't even swear by your own head. You cannot make one hair black or white, or grow back. Uh, I made that up. How about this? Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no, and anything beyond that comes from the evil one. You've heard, you've heard it said, um, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. That seems fair. And I'm telling you, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, be the kind of person, turn the other cheek. If someone sues you and tries to take your, 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 your coat, give him your shirt as well. If, if someone forces you to go one mile with him, be the kind of person that goes that extra mile. Give to the one who asks, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. We've all heard this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That makes sense. But I tell you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven, peacemakers. See, God makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love just those who love you back, where's your reward in that? Do not even tax collectors do that? Like terrorists? And if you, if you greet only your brothers, if you just say hello to your brothers, how's that more than others? Do not even pagans. People don't even believe in God. They do that. I want you to be different. Well, how? Be perfect, whole, like your Father in heaven is perfect. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness in front of people in order to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. I'll give you an example. It's like, so when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do, standing in the synagogues, in front of their church, whatever, or on the street corners to be honored by men. Look how much I gave. I tell you, they receive the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's giving. Therefore, your giving will be done in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. And, and when you pray, again, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they receive their reward in full. Here's what I want my people to do. When you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Throw this in. When you pray, please stop babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. They go on and on and on and on. What are you talking, right? Listen, your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, this then is how we could pray. Let's just do this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in the heavens. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, if you forgive people when they sin against you, your Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive people their sins, why do we have an expectation that God ought to forgive ours? So when you fast, when you sacrifice, right? Don't look all somber like the hypocrites. They, they just figure their faces so people will know, I'm sacrificing. I'm so spiritual. How about this? When you, that's, the, that's the reward they'll get, right? But when you fast, put oil on your, wash your face. So it won't be obvious to people you're fasting, but only to your father who's unseen. And then your father who sees what you're sacrificing, he'll reward you. 
And don't spend your whole life, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But here's what I want my people to do. You store for yourself treasures like in the spiritual realms in the heavens where moth and rust, rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Here it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is confusing to follow, right? So it's like the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is full of light, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is full of darkness, then your whole body will be full of darkness. But if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's what he means. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll love the one and hate the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other, and he cuts right to it. But you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food, and your body more important than clothing? Look at the, look, look at the birds of the air. They don't toil or spin or, or store up in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than birds? Yes, you are. And which of you, by worrying, can add one hour to your life? So why do you worry about clothing? Again, look at the, the, the flowers of the field, the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin, yet not even the greatest king ever, Solomon, was clothed like one of these. Think about this. If this is how your heavenly father clothes the grass of the field that's here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he not clothe you? Ah, you have a little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the non-believers, the pagans, they run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you what, need them. But seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. His, each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen? amen? That's just true. Stop judging. Do not judge or you'll be judged. In the same way you judge, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use on other people, the standard you apply to other people, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own face? How, how dare you? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and the whole time there's a board in your face? What's that called? You're a hypocrite. First, take that log out of your own face, and then you might be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is a little confusing. Don't give... Sacred things to dogs or throw pearls in front of pigs. It's not helpful. It just frustrates them. They'll trample them under their feet and then they'll turn and tear you to pieces. And I don't blame them. Here's a better thing to do. Ask. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Forever ask receives. To him who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Let me talk to parents. Which of you, if your son or daughter were to ask, can I have some bread? Which of you would give him a stone? Or if they said, can I have a piece of fish? Your response would be, here's a snake. Who would do that? Some, a couple of you. I know you. Uh, if you then who are evil, and that just means imperfect and doing your best, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good, give good gifts to those that he loves? Here, 
This is great. In everything, how about this? Just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This sums up the Bible, the law and the prophets. Is that where that came from? Yeah, Jesus. Let's land this. So, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to death and destruction, and that's where a lot of people end up, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and very few find it. Watch, watch out for false prophets, false teachers along the way. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick figs from thorn bushes or, 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 or grapes from thistles? I might have got that backwards, but go. No. In the same way, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's just farming. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. In the same way, so I'm not talking about fruit, I'm talking about something bigger, right? In the same way, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. See, many, this is the scariest part to me. Many will say to me on that day when we meet, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and teach and, and heal and, and perform miracles and cast out demons? We did it all in your name. And I will look at them and I'll say, who are you? I never knew you away from me. You evildoer. Therefore, here it is. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. You're like a wise man, a wise person, a wise woman who builds the entirety of their life, their house on a rock and the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the entirety of your life and it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. Wise. Anybody who hears everything I just said and does not put it into practice, you're a fool. You're like a foolish person building the entirety of your life on sand and the same rain's gonna come down and the same stream's gonna rise up and the same wind's gonna pound against the entirety of your life and it fell with a great crash. And when he finished saying these things, the people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority, not as their own teachers of religion, of law. So let me ask this, and we're gonna sing a song. What if, what if some of those phrases in there could describe your life? It's gonna take a while to get there. It's gonna take a lot of training, years. But what if directionally that was, do you, do you, want, your, do you want your relationship with God to get better? It's not gonna happen on accident. It's gonna take a lot of intentionality you're gonna to have to rearrange the priorities of your life and, and let go of some stuff and give more towards what God wants to do. You're gonna to have to like, inconvenience yourself and let go of what you've always done before and serve other people. And you have to know more of what Jesus said is true. If we can just do those three things, I think our lives would change. I, I'm gonna throw one more out. This is a commercial. So, so, so two weeks from today, October 31st, it's Halloween, all right? I'm gonna launch, and I haven't done this in a couple years, I'm gonna launch a five-week series for men, and I'm, I'm gonna make a bold statement, right? Um, I, think, I think over the last two or three years, I used to speak really to the hearts of men a lot. It was like my passion, it's my calling, my life, and I think culturally, I was told to shut up, and I did, and I repent of that. 
I'm going to make a bold statement, right? Pretty bold. Here's what I mean. I'm going to teach you some stuff in those five weeks directly from God's word that I promise, man, if you will put them into practice, hear them and put them into practice, you will become not just a good man or a better man. You could become a great one. A great man, a great husband, a great father, a great leader, a great person that everybody in your life has been waiting for you to become. That's a bold promise, but I'm, I'm gonna make a promise. I don't have to promise. Jesus promised. If you take, take what I say is true and build the entirety of, life of your life on it, I'll forgive everything and we can rebuild a new life. It can happen. So, men, starting on October 31st, I don't know what you have planned. Change it and be here. Let me talk to the women. If you ever plan on dating one, marrying one, or raising one, having one, all right, right, I don't know. Be here. The number one feedback I get when I do a men's series is not from men, it's from women. Thank you for finally valuing me. So, I am sorry for becoming politically correct. I'm about to blow that up. You're welcome. Hey, let me say this. I'm not gonna be mean, and I'm not gonna say if men would get their crap together, the world gets better, because there's a lot of crap to go around. All right, but men, it starts with us, because we're leaders. We were born to be leaders. We were created to be leaders, and the people in our life are waiting for us to lead. Let's go, let's go. Amen. All right. All our campus, let's stand up together, and uh, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing one last song, and then we're gonna go to war. Let's get our lives back. Amen? All right, so God, I'm done with death, I'm done with shame, I'm done with guilt, I'm done with uh, the grave. I'm, I want my life to be about life, about you, about love, about grace, about mercy, about forgiveness. And so God, whatever is dead in my life that you wanna resurrect, call it up out of the grave right now. I speak for all of us. God, you're about, you're already doing something, you're about to do something in the life of this church that's gonna change the world. Kids that were gonna kill themselves aren't gonna kill themselves. People that were gonna get divorced are gonna come back together. People that are lonely won't be lonely anymore. It's all possible in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we worship him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>